Hey, I'm so glad to be with you today. Hey, today we're kicking off a third series, all based on the book of First, First Peter. We're working our way through uh, one book of the Bible all, all fall. Uh, today we're going to be in chapter three, which is all about relationships. But don't turn there yet, okay? Get your Bible out or put the little ribbon in there or something like that. But don't, don't, don't open it yet, okay? But I want to ask you some questions first, all right? So, so the song that Nate just sang, Thinking Out Loud, uh, is a young guy singing to a young girl, and they're in love. But, but the question that he's thinking about is, what's this going to look like? Not when we're 23, but like when we're 70, like almost 50 years from now. And of course, he's promising I'll be there, and, and I'm sure he means it, right, when he's 23. Here's the question. What will it take for those promises from a 23-year-old on the front edge of a relationship or of a marriage to be kept and to still be true when he's 70 years old. You know, two or three times in the song, uh, the, 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 he refers to people fall in love. Remember this? People fall in love in mysterious ways. What's that even mean? Uh, what, what, what is the mystery that, that holds a man and a woman together for 50 plus years? And why is it that when we look around at all the relationships around us today, the marriages around us, very few of us can point to a marriage that's gone that kind of distance. And honestly, a lot of us have even given up hope that that, that could ever be true for us, all right? Either we've already had one end or we watched our parents' marriage fall apart. And honestly, to think about what it would take to last 50 plus years with another person seems so overwhelming and daunting. We just keep arm's distance and we just let our relationships be shallow. We, we pretend like we're together. We pretend like we're married. We even sleep together. But, but if it gets too hard or, or it's not fun anymore, then we bail. And by the way, that's called adolescence. I want all the privileges of an adult, just not the responsibility. It's annoying with a 13-year-old. It's a relational disaster for a 35-year-old. So what's the mystery? What, what, what does it take? What needs to happen? What do you need to start doing now so that you'll know what to do later when, when you need it? And I don't, think, I don't think that the mystery is found in sappy love songs, right? I mean, I love them. I, they make us feel good and warm and fuzzy, and, and they, they point to some really, really good things. But sappy love songs have been around forever, while they might make you feel like falling in love, they aren't very good at keeping you in love, are they? That song hadn't been written yet. And we can't count on Hollywood or TV or social media or actors or rock stars or athletes to teach us they know what the mystery of a long-term lifetime marriage is, right? We, we know because on their, their real life, off screen or off the field, out of the spotlight, it's a disaster. There goes another one. There goes another one. There goes, right? We, and we can't look at culture or a world that teaches us, do your own thing, then you'll be happy. You know, search your own heart. Be true to yourself. Don't let anyone or anything hold you back from whatever you want to do, say, be, or feel. Because that's what we've been doing. Look around. It's not working. We keep thinking that we're running after freedom and independence, yet we find ourselves more depressed and lonely and enslaved than ever before. So I'm going to throw this out, okay? It's going to be way out there, right? It's going to sound crazy, but what if, what if we turn to God? I'm just hypothetically, right, right? What if we turn to God? More specifically, you know, he created us. He, more specifically, he created us as men and, and women. And even more specifically, he created marriage. This whole marriage thing is his idea. So what if we ask him what the mystery is for a husband and a wife to be joined together and nothing but death could separate them? And that's what we're going to look at today. I, I want to take a time out here, right? Listen, I know that half the room's not married. Either you don't want to be, or you used to be, or whatever that is, okay? So, but lean into this. Going, like, this is for like my parents. No, 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 no. If, if, you're, if you're on the front end of your life, and you're thinking, maybe someday I'll be married, I just want you to file this away, okay? And if you're on the other side of marriage, thinking, I don't know if I want to do that ever again, I want you to file this away before you jump into another one. Does that make sense? So Peter's going to write first. He's going to write to wives, 
and the husbands. And we're going to talk about husbands next week, all right? Sorry, ladies, it's, it's your week, all right? And in this opening paragraph of chapter three, which you're not reading yet, here's what Peter says is possible. The entire thing we're going to look at for the next two weeks, all right, is, is promising several outcomes, all right? Here's what, if we lean into what God says is possible, these are the outcomes. The first one is this. The husband may be one to the Lord, and we'll unpack that, right? The hidden heart of a wife will be adorned with imperishable beauty. The wife will never need to be afraid of anything. The marriage will be unified and mutually honoring and fulfilling. Your prayers will not be hindered or cut off. We'll talk about that next week. And Jesus will be remembered and God will be pleased. Now, that, that, now that, here's the thing. This is what God says. You just you know, follow me. This can happen in your life. But here's the other thing. If we choose to ignore this and do not do it, then the opposite can be assumed. Does that make sense? Like this, all right? The husband may not be one to the Lord. The hidden heart of a wife will not be adorned with imperishable beauty. The wife will need to be afraid of a lot of things. The marriage won't be unified. Your prayers will be hindered and cut off. Jesus won't be remembered, and God will not be pleased. Now, if you gotta choose between those two lists, which one would you choose? Oh, you choose the first one, right? I mean, the second list is not what any of us were hoping for on our, our wedding day. It's, we want that first list, even though some of us ended up at the second one. But great, but here's the question. What are you willing to do to adjust to get that first list of outcomes in your life? And what if God, who created men and women and knows how we work, especially when it comes to the most intimate relationships, what if what he tells us it's going to take to have those outcomes, what if it's different than what we thought it was? What if what God tells us to do is different than what we were planning to do? And what if when he tells us this, we don't fully understand how it's going to work because I'm just telling you up front, what God says is the best way to do marriage and family is going to sound crazy, unreasonable, scary for some of us. It's going to sound much more scary than it does a mystery. All right. The question is this. Are you willing to, to listen to what God says is true and works best and then trust him? And that's called faith. Trust him enough to be willing to consider changing your current relationship plan that hasn't worked so far. And let's be honest, it's not working great right now. But again, listen, if your current life and love plan are firing all cylinders, then you go for it. Keep on doing what you're doing. You don't need advice from me or God or coaching from anyone. But, but since over half of us listening to my voice right now come from divorced homes, right, or have been divorced or will get divorced, just listen in. And file it away for next time. How about this? Lean in today, and maybe there won't have to be a next time. Okay? Right? So now you can open your Bibles or open your app to 1 Peter chapter, chapter 3. Oh, it's going to get, buckle up. Remember, okay, Peter is writing, everything we're, we're going to look at today, Peter is writing to women, to wives, okay? And then next week to men. So men, listen, men, look at me, right? This has nothing to do with you. So unless you want to have a really, really, really bad drive home and ruin Sunday, write this down. Shut up. In the name of Jesus, be quiet. Okay? So this is just for the wise. And all the wives are going, what? what's about to happen? Okay. Here we go. Okay? Likewise, and we'll come back to that word later, wives, be, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Now, everybody take a breath. Because I can already read the room. Did he, just, did he just say women are to submit to men? I didn't say that. Peter says that wives are to be subject to their own, their own husband. Now, why, 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 why would I do that? 
Why would I ever, why would I do this? Don't point at him, but he's right there, right, right, right? So let's read it again, read it again, all right? Be subject to your own husband, here it is. So that even if some husbands do not obey the word, the husband may be won without a word by the conduct of their, their, their wives. And they see your respectful and pure conduct. So here's why. Here's why Peter writes this, because, talk to wives. Wives, you have the most influence over your husband who doesn't obey or follow Jesus right now, and his best chance of following Jesus is directly linked, not by your words, not by what you say, not by you pressuring him or guilt-tripping him or nagging him, but by the way that you act, by the way you conduct yourself towards him. Here it is, with respect and purity. Let me say it another way, okay, right, right? The best way to have positive influence over your husband's walk with God is to voluntarily place yourself under your husband by treating him with respect. Now, let me say, I'm going to personalize it, okay? And Robin's right down here, right, right? Robin has more influence over my walk with God than any other person on the planet. I'm not saying Robin's God, right? She's not. I just know that I cannot unlink how things are going with Robin from how things are going with God, and I cannot unlink how things are going with God from how things are going with Robin. Not just what she says, but much more how she treats me. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. It just is. It's just reality. See, 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 ladies, listen, right? Subject or submit, it goes interchangeable, right? Doesn't mean wives become the slaves or property of their husbands. That's a misapplication. Doesn't mean that. Submit doesn't mean he's president and you're vice president at home. Submit doesn't mean that he's the boss and you're the employee. In this context, right? Submit means you, here's a cute, you voluntarily, you don't have to do this. You voluntarily, right, lower yourself to a position that you can help push him up so that he can see things that he can't or isn't currently seeing when it comes to God. Ladies, what God is saying is partner with God so that you and the man in your life that you love is won over by God and what God says for his life. But what God is saying is that other than God himself, you wives are positioned for the best or the worst influence in the life of your husband. Now, I'll be honest, some of you ladies, you're thinking this, but don't put that on me. I don't want that kind of pressure or responsibility. Okay, don't get married. Then don't get married. And just live your life looking out for yourself. But if you make a choice to get married, remember this, God took two people and made them one new thing. You're now a new thing. And you don't just look out for yourself, you look out for us, for him. So I, I was on a hunting trip last week. All the animals in the world are safe. I didn't, right? But anyway, um, but, but my buddy with me, uh, 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 Rourke was with me, he's a prolific reader. And we were talking about marriage and how when God joins a man and woman together in marriage, it's a model of, of Trinity, right? Husband, wife, Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So you work two things and then God joins you together as one new thing. And off the top of his head, because he reads books all the time, he gives me this great quote from this author named Thomas McGuane. And he reads all the time. And this one just came out and I think it just applies here. Look at this, this great quote. It says, those who love horses are impelled by an ever-receding vision, some enchanted transformation through which the horse and the rider become a third, much greater thing. You've seen that before. You've seen a horse and a rider. There's nothing more beautiful than watching a horse and a rider moving together as if they're one. It's, 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 it's more beautiful than watching them move separately or, or fight each other because they want to go different directions. But when they become one, it's, it's beauty. It's movement, it's, it's art. That's marriage. Two individuals becoming a third, much greater thing. 
And just like a horse and rider, both the rider and the horse learn and they grow to know each other in such a way that they submit themselves to one another for the sake of a greater good. They don't have to, but then it's just a rodeo, right? And one of them's trying to break the other one to get his way. See, again, I, I know the conversation is going on in your head, at least in the female half of the room or, or the real, especially the unmarried female half of the room. You're sitting here going, well, that's not fair. First, you tell me to submit to my husband. Then you compare me to a horse, which I didn't. <laughs> I compared you to art and to movement and to dance. As a matter of fact, I would say this. Everything that Peter is writing to you wives is impossible unless first you and God are moving together as one new thing. And then out of that, or as a part of that, God informs how you're going to approach your husband. And as to, ladies, write this down. As to the not, that's not fair, heads up. You checked fair at the door when you got married. Because in those vows, and this goes for both of us, right? When you said for better or worse, for richer or poorer, for sickness and in health, all of those are ways of saying when it's fair and when it's not fair, I'm in this until one of us is dead, whatever it takes. And if you're not signing up for that, then don't get married. We're not talking about what's fair. We're talking about what is, at least in terms of human beings. And now watch, I'm, I'm going to make a statement, and all the married ladies in the, you watch them, they're going to try not to nod their heads and go, all right, just watch, all right? All right. Ladies, let me tell you about your husband, okay? Or girls, let me tell you about your boyfriend right now, and even more so if you decide to, to marry him later. This, is, this, is, this should be in the Bible, right? He says that he wants love from you, but what he needs from you is respect, and even if he believes that you love him, if he doesn't think that you respect him, he'll interpret your love as pity. You feel sorry because he's a weak, unworthy man. And if that goes on long enough, he'll back away from you and or go try, usually in a really unhealthy way, to prove that he's worth being respected. And that quickly falls apart and spirals down and so on and so on and so on. Don't raise your hand, but some of you are married to him. And if you're saying, well, well he shouldn't act like that. Well, thank you. That's not helpful. Maybe he wouldn't act like that if he could go back and rewrite the first three chapters of the Bible, but we can't. And part of the fallen nature of men is that he, he has a need to perceive that the most important people in his life, top of the list, his wife, respects him. And that's true of all men, whether you're a Christian or not. Did you know, this is going to blow your mind, did you know that husbands are commanded in the Bible to love their wives, but wives are not commanded to love their husbands? It's not in there. You can Google it later. I'm right but wives are commanded to respect their husbands. Why? Because if a woman respects her husband, she probably loves him already. But if, if the husband doesn't believe that the wife respects him, supports him, trusts him to provide and protect, then love won't be enough. It's just the way we're wired. And Peter is saying, especially in the most important part of a man's life, that he has to figure out specifically what God says is true about him in his word. That man's greatest chance of leaning into God's word is if his wife is doing everything in her power to push him up, not just with words, but how she treats him. It's just true. See, the way to a man's heart, long-term, is not through love or even sex, it's through respect. And again, Peter is saying, if you want to almost guarantee that a man walks away from God, disrespect him. Now, heavy, heavy, so I'm so glad we came to church this week. All right, so, so time out. a brief word to the men and the husbands in the room, all right? I'm gonna keep this short, because next week, here we go, right, right? But let me say this, all right, husbands. In no place in the Bible do I read that you have a say or a choice in a wife's decision to submit herself to you. You can't make her love for you. You can't make her respect you. 
So this is not the Bible verse for men to throw at women. As a matter of fact, if, if a husband quotes this verse to his wife as proof that, that he's the boss and biblically she has to do what he says, don't do it, guys. If you throw that card, you've already lost the game. And while it is written to her, the reason it's written to her, because in this context, you're not following God. You're lost, and the only reason she would do this is because she wants you to be one and be brought closer to Jesus by the way that she respects you through her actions because you're too hard-headed to listen to her or God, even though they're both right. Last thing, man, okay, listen. Don't ever think that you can ever play the victim card and blame any of your wife's behaviors, even her disrespectful behaviors, as an excuse for your sin, for your choices and your behaviors. Nope. There's a reason, it's just not an excuse. And maybe the reason that it's hard for her to respect you is because you keep giving her disrespectful reasons why she shouldn't. So maybe look in the mirror a lot next week. Again, guys, that next week, all right, but ladies, okay? Current or future wives, since this is written to wives, let's get, get back, get, let's get back to you. I'm just gonna go through four verses today. So ladies, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the, or the clothing you wear. Now, if you just pull that verse out of context, it, this, it looks like Peter is telling women, don't fix your hair, don't wear jewelry, and don't, don't wear nice clothes. It's like, hey, ladies, if you love Jesus, dress like you came over on the Mayflower. That, that's right, right? No. No, no, no. But Peter is addressing the way that many women believe that what they have to do in order to have influence or attraction over a man. And that is, what do I look like on the outside? Right? And we all know this. While looks may get a man's attention, they won't keep a man's attention. And I, t- t- listen, all right? I'm all for a person doing their best to present themselves in the best way that they can. Heck, I'm in the camp of this. If the barn needs painting, paint it. If the front porch needs fixed, Fix it, all right? Go knock yourself out, right? All right. But and as for sex, here all this. I think that a husband and wife should have as much fun and get as creative and crazy as they both want to in the bedroom, as long as it's just the two of you pursuing intimacy. Knock yourself out. Hope you get to do that a lot, a lot, until you're dead, right? Can I get an amen? amen. All right, yeah, I mean, go for it, right? But, but ladies, <laughs> I have so much more to say there, but my wife's right down here, so I can't, right? So, so ladies, if, if, listen, if you're counting on your outward appearance, or even your sexual performance to be the thing that keeps your marriage together, then start the timer. Because it can't. It wasn't even supposed to. At least it can't by itself if there's not something else going along on the outside, something going on on the inside. Here's, let's look at it again, right? So don't let your adorning just be externally, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. That's where we got the title for the series. The hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is God, in God's sight is very precious. Peter's saying this, ladies, don't count on your external beauty being the thing that positively influences your husband. Let your beauty be, and he says, the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. See, external beauty is one of the things we talked about a couple months ago in chapter one. Over time, it perishes, it breaks down, it fades, it's supposed to. What Peter is talking about is something that goes on in your heart, and he brings back the word from chapter one that's imperishable. Imperishable, that imperishable beauty of of your heart, of your spirit. And And he uses this word, that is gentle. And gentle doesn't mean weak, it actually means enormous strength under control. And 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 your spirit is quiet, and that doesn't mean shut up and don't talk, it means peace. Gentle, strength, under control, and peace. This is, this is what's gonna keep you going. Now, let's go back to verse one 
And look at word number one. This whole stack section of chapter three starts with what word? Likewise. And likewise refers to whatever came before what we read today. And in, in the verses, and Ben unpacked them last week, the, the part that comes before this, Peter paints a picture of Jesus submitting himself and serving us so that we can be brought closer to God, that we can have our sin forgive us. He did that for us. And if he didn't do that for us, we'd just be lost. And then Peter goes on and says, Jesus did that as an example that we should follow so that the people in our lives have the same chance that Jesus gave us. So likewise, wives, all right, are you willing to do that for your husband? That's what this is about. Peter's not talking about who's the boss at your house, Jesus. Peter's asking wives to partner with God in seeing their husbands grow in their faith and their life with God. See, today we're talking about marriage because that's what came next to our, our text in 1 Peter. And when I looked, I went, that's gonna be a fun sermon, all right? But, but, but the truth is, the same truth is true for pretty much any relationship that you want good for. You want good for the other person because you love and you care about him. I pick out any relationship that you want to go for a long time with, it will involve submitting and sacrificing part of yourself. And the only reason that you would do that is because you're trying to pursue a greater thing. And in some parts of our life, the only reason, ladies, listen, the only reason you would do that is because it is directly tied to your understanding of what Jesus has already done for you. Otherwise, why would you do this? Now, we're going to stop there. We'll pick this up next week, all right? So that was a lot. Right? That's a lot. But, and be careful how you talk about this at home. I really mean that. But so let's look back at the two possible outcomes for a marriage or really any significant relationship that's pursuing something better that might last, I don't know, 50 plus years. Remember this? The husband may be one to the Lord. The hidden heart of a wife will be adorned with imperishable beauty. The wife will never be afraid of anything. The marriage will be unified, honoring, and fulfilling. Your prayers will not be hindered or cut off. Jesus will be remembered. God will be pleased. So let's go back to the original question. And if words like marriage or husband or wife don't apply to your situation, then swap those out for, for a relationship that makes sense to you. But whatever relationship you're looking at, I want to land with this. What would you be willing to submit and sacrifice so that all those statements all become a reality? What would you, right? And I'm talking to both genders here, okay, right? What would you be willing to do so that someone gets closer to Jesus? What would you be willing to, to submit or sacrifice so you'll be filled with an imperishable beauty that you wouldn't have to be afraid of anything, that you would have words like honor and fulfilling? And we'll get back to the prayer thing next week, but, but, but listen, your prayers will feel like they're finally getting through. Right now, if something's blocking them, but my, my prayers feel actually effective now. Jesus is remembered and God is pleased. Would you be willing to do what needs to be done so that that becomes a reality in your marriage, in your home? And what happens if you don't? Now, I, I was, I'll be honest, I was nervous when I flipped this open going, ah, I gotta teach on this. I love this teaching. And if you'll let it sink in, you'll, you'll love it too. I, some of you though, here's what the reality is, right? You're going, I don't even know how to get there from here. So before, before service today, our whole worship team went right down here and Paul, he led us into a devotion and in his prayer, he said this, I believe that somebody needs a miracle this weekend. Isn't that beautiful? Like, I think, I think somebody listening to my voice needs God to jump in this because right now it's this. And if God doesn't like do something like on the, the mystery, like on the miraculous, like 
there's no explanation except God got involved in this. This thing is falling apart. Maybe that's you. So next week, I'm going to beat up the husbands. Okay, so come on back. But uh, um, I don't think there's a, a woman in here right now that feels like, like disrespected. When God looks at you and goes, it's going to take both of us to turn his heart in a good direction. I'm so thankful for wives. Because I wouldn't. Enough said, all right? Hey, to all our campuses to stand up. Uh, I wouldn't be here. Father God, um, a lot of emotion just came up, right? And, and uh, it's because it's important. And I just pray for the next gen because they're like, I don't, all I, all I see is brokenness and, uh, and, and nothing lasts. And I'm afraid to jump into that, but God, you'll go with them. So I just pray for all the single Single people in here who are even just, just the, the idea of marriage just terrifies them. Oh God, tell them how beautiful it can be when you're in the middle of it. And God, for all us married people that are like, we've been doing this for a while and maybe it's drifted off or we've drifted apart. God, will you do what you did when you first, will you glue us together? Will you bring us back together? Will you take words like separation and, and I'm leaving and, and divorce? We just take those out of our vocabulary and go, let's, let's go. Let's, let's become that third greater thing. Let's ride together. Let's, let's go. God, for those of us who, who are looking back and going, uh, my marriage broke. We're feeling how, 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 how heavy that is and how, 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 how left part of us broken. Some of us, we had to do it. We had to do it to, get, to be safe. But we still feel that pain. And God, I, I pray for those that aren't married anymore that you in this moment would just like, you be the glue that glues that heart back together. And, and the two of you, you, just, you, you keep going. God, we're about to sing a song. I, I've searched the whole world for something. I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this. It didn't fill me. And then I found you. And there's nothing better than you. So God, I pray blessing on every marriage or marriage-to-be, every family, every blended family, Every broken family, every broken heart, I just pray that you, God, do what only you can do. There's no one like you. And that's why we worship you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.